Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny View from the Ninian is sponsored by TerraceBadger.com. Use code VFTN20, that's VFTN20 for 20% off whenever you spend on TerraceBadger.com. TerraceBadger is a local family-run business specializing in sports clothing and accessories, from t-shirts and hoodies to mugs and custom prints. They recently relocated and upgraded all equipment to offer the highest quality products with friendly customer service to boot. Use code VFTN20 for 20% off at TerraceBadger.com. Thanks for sponsoring the pod. It's a bumper episode of The View from the Union this week with four games to talk about, two looking back, two looking forward, and a congratulations must go to the Cardiff City women's team who have been crowned FAW Women's Cups winners this weekend with a 4-0 win over Britain Ferry. Tom, Ben, you're joining me as usual. How nice is it to have a team that's done the double, Tom? Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? You know, we, we've heard from our cousins down the road how nice it is uh, to have a double every now and again. So it's nice that we're on the, the right end of one. Ben, how nice is it to do a double where you actually win a trophy instead of, I don't know, 12th place in the league? <laughs> yeah, it's actually means something, doesn't it? It's, 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 to be honest, it's just nice to have part of the club to feel proud of, isn't it? it yeah, it's a really refreshing change. Some part of this club is doing something good. Um, and we should probably talk about them a lot more, really, than reveling in the depression that is the men's team. But we've made our bed. We'll lie in it for a couple more weeks, and then hopefully we'll have a different approach next season. Uh, well, we'll talk about more more of the good things going on at the football club. Um, Tom, two games to look back on to begin with. Two games to look forward to. The first one, uh, the game against Watford. Um, a win. Obviously, Cardiff City beat Watford 3-1 away from home um, in a game that, I don't know, some people would have seen it surprising, but if you had listened to the previous pod, you would have heard that I said I had a funny feeling that we were going to win. That funny feeling came true, but Tom, the start was pretty dreadful, wasn't it? Um, it looked like for all the power in the world, they were going to batter us. And that first goal was basically like passing practice, wasn't it, for them? Yeah, it was awful defending from us. It was just so simple. It was a ball out wide, ball across the face of the area, and no one within five yards of the finisher. And it was just... At that point, it did feel inevitable that we were just going to limp to like a two or three nil loss because it just it felt like so many other games at that point anyway that that we'd seen earlier in the season where we concede early and then just don't get a foothold for the rest of the game. Um, I must admit, I was fearing the worst at that point. I was looking around to see if anyone was going to leave at that point. No one did. Fair play to them because they would have missed a cracker. But um, yeah, at that point, I did definitely fear the worst for us. Um. Ben, obviously the goal got the crowd nervy and there were some boos from the away end at Vicarage Road. There were probably some boos from the home end as well because their fans are very unhappy as well. Um, I don't think they wanted to see a win. They like to rebel in the misery. Um, you know, we know we won now, Ben, but how nasty could that have got really? How toxic could it have got if we'd lost that game? Because it does, now that we've won it, it feels like a turning point for us. But at that point, you know, with, with all the results that happened that night, it could have got really terrible for us. 
I don't know if it had got too bad. Like you boys in the way, and I, I watched at home, so I don't really know what it was like with you guys. But for me, it was very much like it wasn't so much anger. It was a lot of just, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go again. And mm. going off social media, it felt like that was the vibe sort of there as well of just this is just typical. We're, we're terrible at conceit. We're terrible at coming back. Early goal, it's game over. And we're sort of resigned to ourselves, especially then because I think that put us in the relegation zone as well. Yeah, it was sort of oh well, this is the inevitable. Then this is us finished. So yeah, it was just more frustration, more than anger from sort of the social media end and from my end. Yeah, think... it was one of those not one of those nights, wasn't it, Tom? There were times you know QPR were winning their game, uh, Reading were beating Luton, and 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 at different times it looked like we were going to kind of you know at that point it looked like we were going to suffer with it. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a bit of a split in the away end. You could, I think it was like 80% people just going, oh, no, here we go. But it was the first time I think I've sensed a little bit of anger from certain factions. But some booze. There was definitely a few boos there. I think it was a really interesting away end in terms of, I think it's the, the first game this season where people were starting to be glued to their phone and checking what other results were happening, what was happening you know, with the table, the permutations everywhere. I know I was guilty of it a couple of times as well. And I think that nervy nature was both in the stands and on the pitch at that point. And I think what we were really, really lucky with was Watford seems to be an even more toxic club than ours at the moment. And I think as soon as it started to turn in our direction, I haven't seen a, a crowd turn that quickly for a long, long time. And I think... We'll go into the goal stuff for that, but like one of the my, my favorite moment of the game was definitely when their fan got on the pitch and yeah. started shouting at their keeper. And he was just look, don't normally when you've got a pitch invaded, the crowd gets a little bit annoyed. It's like, oh, just get on with the game. Everyone was clapping him as if it's the best thing that's yeah. happened in Vicarage Road in months. And it, I tell you what, that definitely played into the feeling in the in, in the away end. I think I think it like it definitely gave us Galvanized a bit of buoyancy us. there. Definitely, no doubt about it. Um Ben, we, he, we we got a goal back on. I think the thirty first minute was the first goal. Keanu Tete, um, you know, they the 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 game had had, had broken. Uh, had, sorry, had stopped so the players could break fast, and it seemed to after that Cardiff kind of didn't turn back really. Uh, first goal from a Tete, lovely pass by Rinomotta into his feet. Really nice footwork, took it past the Watford player, made him look like a right mug, put it into the bottom corner. Um, does that show how we should be playing the ball to a Tete? We've kind of struggled with him this season as to whether he's the target man, whether he's a ball-to-the-feet guy, that was a lovely finish to his feet. Is that the way we need to be playing the marionette puppet? Yeah, 100%. I think there's more strings attached to his feet than there are to his head. So whoever's controlling him clearly has better understanding of how to operate in there. So it's it's like, um, what was his name? Robert Glatzel, wasn't it, a few years ago? We just insist on using him as a target man because he was six foot plus. Just because yeah. he's big doesn't mean he's good in the air. He's not that good in the air, to be honest. He probably should have scored a hell of a lot more if he was half decent in the air than what he has. Um, but yeah, recently, the last probably six eight weeks, with the ball at his feet, he's looking like a completely different player. He's got belief in himself, he seems just a bit stronger. He's still very, very slight, but he's bulked out a bit and sort of comfortable on the ball. And that shows how we get the best out of him. It's got to be into his feet and watch him do that because that's an up until the third goal. Um, that is an unbelievable goal to score. That's I was saying that's probably contender goal of the season up until a bit later on. Well, yeah, we were sat, obviously, at the far end from the goal, which is annoying, really. You go to the away game, see three goals, and you're not anywhere near any of them. And it was kind of hard to see where the ball went in. It was only in the highlights you realised that he's had the presence of mind to, you know, 
I think it was a Chowdhury got on the line and he's actually played it across the front of the goal into the side netting, which isn't the most orthodox of finishes, but it completely took out three or four of their defenders and put it into the corner where no one could get it. Um, and, and, and Tom, we just didn't, for the first time, I think this season, we didn't just stop then, did we? It, it, that seemed to galvanise us even more. And I think there was a sustained period of pressure from us for however long it was. And and, and I think it's the, it was a quick fire double. We scored the second goal four minutes later. Um, Cross came in, ball cleared out to Wintle. We know where it ends up. It ends up at Kipre's feet. Um, how hard do you think he hit that ball? Oh, it's mental, wasn't it? I, I couldn't really see what he'd done at first. No, exactly. Because it just seemed to happen. But like, God, he leathered it. Like that, yeah. <laughs> like, I think I'd fall over if I tried to kick a ball that hard. Like, it was such a good finish from, like, like a centre-back. But, like, well, it was for the first time this season, it felt like we smelt blood. Like, yeah. it felt like we actually put our foot, like, on the throttle a little bit and went, I tell you what, there for the take-in here. And it was so good to see. And you you could just sense the excitement then. And it weirdly felt like a third goal would come after it as well. Yeah. Like yeah. it was just the, like the excitement was palpable. I think again, I think it helped that the Watford crowd had gone into disarray. But that away end was absolutely bouncing. I think there was a sense of relief as well as excitement as well. And it and but it was brilliant to watch. I think that's the most excited. And I I think I was saying at the time, like I didn't have a I didn't have a pint or anything in the lead up to the game. And it turns out if I don't have a pint in the game, instead of being drunk, I'm giddy. And I turned into yeah. a little kid. I was so excited to see us leading away from home. And I think that just shows like what a decent performance can do to an away end and how it, you know, it's kind of a, a vicious circle when stuff goes bad, but it, it's a good circle when it goes well then. Because it, it does just, you just feed off each other. And it was a great place to be when that second goal went in. Um, and it's probably an even better place to be when the third one went in, Ben. Um, listen, Sorry, Cabba has scored a lot of goals. He would have scored a lot more if he'd stopped attempting bicycle kicks, but we would never have seen what he did on Wednesday of last week. Um, we've seen it. I think his debut, he attempted four bicycle kicks. I think in his interview after the game, he said, I've been threatened to do that. Um, how brilliant was it to see a striker like him actually score a fucking bicycle kick? I was bouncing, like running around the living room, just screaming, he's done it, he's done it, he's fucking done it. I was so excited. It's not just the fact he scored and we went two up. It's the way, it's the fact it was the bicycle kick, just topped it all off and just sort of to come from behind and sort of the performance that it was like that. That was like properly felt like the icing on the cake, like the cherry on the icing on the cake. The fact it was a bicey, it was just absolutely class. And I went mental. Yeah, I think what I've learned from the Watford game is that when we score, I don't really, you know, people shout and scream like, yes, come on. I just scream. All you can hear from me, and in, in, if you're if you're next to me, it's just yeah, yeah. And I think I did that even more so for the Cabba goal, just because I think that was the one you could see most clearly. You could see what he tried to do. The ball had come in. He kind of found that little gap, taking it down on his chest, and you could just see him let loose with the bicycle kick. And I think we talked about it. Um, someone someone tweeted about when was the last time they they saw um, uh, a bicycle kick. And I think the one I can think of is Earnshaw at the start of the season. I think in '98 against Hartlepool away, something like that, where one of the fans ran into the stanchion behind the goal after the game. Someone said that Danny Gabadon scored two in a pre-season friendly. Um, no, but I can't was... remember a bicycle. Gab scored two. There was one at like the start of the season and one in the pre-season game against Bolton. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the the one I was referring to. I couldn't remember if he scored in the same game or what. But that, it was like I, I think, think it was like successive games. Game. He scored twice in successive games, which for centre back especially is fucking nuts. He's got it in his locker. Um, but I can't remember another bicycle kick beyond that. 
which is Bam- shows how Bamba's disallowed one. That's a bad yeah, really, one. I think um, like the the bad thing about this one was how high he chested the ball. Yeah, like it just gave him so much time, and as soon as that ball went up in the air, I think because we'd seen him do it like attempted so many times this season, we all knew what was coming, but it still didn't make me like stop me making a noise when it went in. Like I think there's a very certain noise or like expression that people make when it's a bicycle kick. It's completely different to any other type of goal, and there's something so satisfying to see it. And even though we were miles away, we were like directly in line with it, and it was just so good to see that hit in the bottom corner. And I swear the Watford the fans were still blaming their keeper somehow. That's how angry they were at everything. Like, there was nothing I mean, they to do hate about that. him. They yeah, they do, don't they? Hate him. <laughs> like I've not seen hate for that from a player since probably me with like Scott Malone. It's I that it's level. Scott Malone or you and Lee Johnson, but that's an opposition manager. Yeah, fucking, they despise him. Like he got cheered when he got. Do you remember that red card he got? It, he got cheered by his own fans for getting sent off. That's sort well, of the I, level of hate they've got. <laughs> what I liked about the bicycle kick as well is that the, I think the defender was Hoot and he didn't really know what to do. So he just tried to put his arm across while Cabba kicked the ball and Cabba just booted his arm as well. So there's the, the aftermath of the goal where Cabba's running off and Hoot's just trying to hold his arm where the guy's leathered him. Um, I still think so one of my favourite bits is it's not like your classic, you know, like Rooney with like the acrobatic sort of bicycle kick. It's a little bit shit. And I think that's what makes it even better is it feels a bit Sunday league sort of not listen, quite. You know when like listen. suddenly got their legs fly up in the air sort of thing. If I did it, I'd still be on the floor now. I'm not slagging him off for of that. Well, but... we saw we saw what we tweeted that night, Ben. If if we, we stay up, I, if hang on, we hang on. are successful, <laughs> yeah, we we all we. tweeted it. It's from the view from the Indian account. We all tweeted it. If we stay up, there'll be there'll be the chance for you to prove that with our first ever little bit of video content. Someone offered to film it that night. It's all set up and ready to go. If it's a typo, I, it's not we've made the typos. It's Ben, you've made a typo. No, no, no. We <laughs> as a collective have agreed to it. You didn't delete the tweet. You actually sent it to us and said, this is a surefire way to get injured. That sounds like endorsement of the fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this is going to be painful. It's going to be painful for all of us. I don't think I've ever attempted a bicycle kick and I wouldn't know how to land. Uh, but let's finish talking about the Watford game, Tom. Um how refreshing was it to see that the game just kind of petered out from there? Um, obviously, the, the Watford fans were all upon their players, and I think their players were, were frozen a little bit. They didn't really know what to do. Our players were happy just to sit back a little bit and try and absorb the game, which they did very well. From every corner, McGuinness was there to clear it. You know, Alsop, you know, I, we'll get onto him a little bit more in the middle, but he was very good at sweeping up at the back as well. It just felt like it was a procession to the end of the game, which is very rare for us this season. I think, yeah, from about 75 minutes on, I felt like that. I think before then, we were joking that we could have been 6-1 up and we'd still be saying we'd we need still one more. Goal. It's a dangerous scoreline, 6-1. But, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think as a Cardiff fan, you're never too optimistic. I think excitement of being 3-1 up at half-time when you're still in and you're looking at the score, you start to get nervous again. Because if that had gone back to 3-2 in the first 10 minutes of the second half, I think we still had it in our locker to completely shit the bed. But luckily, yeah. I think Watford offered very, very little. Um, they were really, really poor. They looked like a team who were completely dejected as soon as they were two goals down. Their players got very frustrated. Even you know, Joe Pedro, they were shooting from distance, which was, you know, it meant they didn't trouble us really. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I, th- I think then the fact that Watford were like that, I think our players calmed a bit. I thought McGuinness was absolutely outstanding in the air. Colossus. They, yeah. I, I think like the whole of our back line were fantastic, but there was one 
there was one leap he made on like header that went about 40 yards that I think I won framed in my in, in like my lounge or something. It was just one of those like just absolutely picture perfect headers. It felt like he had both arms up in the air, powering his head through it. And I think it kind of summed up our night to that point. And like I said earlier on, I think we had we had a bit of bite about this. We had a bit of fire. And I think that's the thing I took the most heart from. There was a genuine passion in it. Like we've said in games in the past that we've lacked a bit of edge. We've lacked a bit of fight. We haven't had leaders in the team. But that mm. night, I don't know what it was, whether it was those two quick-fire goals, we looked like a completely different outfit. Um, and we built on that confidence as the game went on. And I think, yeah, from the last 15, 20 minutes, I was fairly confident we were seeing that out. And I haven't felt like that about a Cardiff team for some time. No, uh, and on that game is that we didn't get another... I, I still think there was more goals there for if we wanted it. But I sort of felt like we were a bit like, we're not going to concede, let's just make sure of that and sort of saw the yeah. game out there. There's nothing wrong for with sure. that. Absolutely, especially in the position we're in. But yeah, I do, part of me does think, Christ, we could have, like the amount of times we've been to that place and had a stuff in, I felt like we could have given them one there, which is a rare thing for us. I do also think they probably they probably took the tone of the crowd right and thought that if if Watford get one goal here, their crowd could turn instantly and they're, yeah. they're back on their side, they're back pushing them forward and it becomes a bit more of a dangerous place to be. I think just pushing, just just holding our line at 3-1 was probably the right decision to make considering our confidence levels and obviously the, the, the atmosphere we were in. Um, uh, but Ben, one player we, we've highlighted here because we've been quite mean to him in recent weeks, uh, Ryan Alsop. Um, he was, I think, you know, it wasn't the most spectacular performance from from Olsop in the second half against Watford, but what we will say is that he was very calm in the second half. There were times where he could have panicked and he didn't. Um, and it's just, I think, how mean we've been to him in recent weeks. He deserves a little bit of praise, doesn't he? Yeah, it was just an overall solid display, wasn't it? He just kept, he just did everything simple and just got it all right, which he hasn't really done for a lot of the season, sort of especially second half. So yeah, definitely deserves a bit of praise when he's done well and sort of after the grief we've given him. Yeah, I I do feel a bit bad for the grief we've given him, considering uh, what happened in the Stoke game, which we will talk about now. Tom, after Watford, uh, it was important really that we, we, we took to the Stoke game and just didn't lose, wasn't it? Because, you know, it's, it's very good going to Watford, get very good going to Vicarage Road, winning a game that you're probably not expected to win, but it would have counted for nothing if we didn't get a result at home, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think if you'd looked at that, you know, bank of two fixtures and you said we get four points from it, I think we were all bitten your hand off for it. So, I, yes, it probably came the way round that we didn't expect. I thought, you know, we'd sneak a draw maybe at Watford and win at home, but I'll take it. I think if we had lost that game, it could have been catastrophic because I, we'll get on to it later. Like, at this end of the season, teams at the bottom have started to pick up. You know, they've got a lot to play for panic stations are hitting a little bit and there's going to be the odd mad result so yeah I think making sure we didn't lose that game obviously we'd like to have win it but not losing that game was massive and you know it's it means that we've got a bit more momentum going forward now um similar questions to last time Ben you know when you go one nil down at home to Stoke you know the there's the, the, the worry that the fans could turn against you the fans obviously at home are you know they're there's more of them, so any kind of discontent is louder. You know, when you went one 0 down, did you did you start to fear the worst, or did what Wednesday's performance against Watford kind of settle you a little bit, knowing that we could come back into it? It's again, it's the frustration, is it? Because again, it's not exactly the greatest goal. There's sort of it, there's areas all over. We think everyone should have done a little bit better to stop it going in, mm. and go from that. Yeah, it did. You do sort of go, oh fucking hell, here we go again. Then, 
it's just yeah, it's hard to is you what I want to say I had confidence from the Watford game. We were so good. But this season's been such a battering of like your confidence. Yeah. You can't help but feel the worst when you go one nil down early on, can you? No, you can't. And and Tom, it was a bit of a the antithesis to the, the Watford game in a sense that it was quite bad defending from that corner. Um, you know, McGuinness doesn't really track his man, you know, the guy gets he gets a header on it, but it's a header from a really odd position. He shouldn't be getting that much power on it. And then Olsop's glued to the floor, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lovely glancing header, but you want a defender to get there first. You want him to anticipate that and to clear it. You know, I think there's, you know, if you've got someone on the back post, if you've got someone, you know, it was a bit more solid, you know, in front of the like corner taken for, I guess, to the box, someone might clear yeah. it. And like, you think with a bit of positioning, a bit of a shuffle round, you know, we should be able to deal with that. Um, but I, I think the opposite of that, I think because co- of the Watford game, I, I was fairly confident that we'd come back into it. Um, but it is a frustrating one again. I think it's an avoidable goal. And, and it, it, it feels like we've conceded plenty like that this season. It felt like we'd gone back to our old ways a little when that went in. Um, ben, obviously... The, the, the team had obviously learned from Watford because we didn't seem to panic, did we? And for the first time in a long time, it, again, we, we reacted quite quickly. It was almost a similar time frame to the Watford game. They scored on 16 minutes. We then scored in the 29th minute against Watford. It was sort of 11 minutes. We scored in 31 minutes. It it shows that we, we are learning from this and we're, we're getting a bit more teeth into the team, aren't we? And it was another good goal for, um, I'm not going to apologise, sorry, Cabba. Yeah, I think it's just been clinical again, isn't it? It was, again... We sense blood. There was a cut before the goal. We sort of put the pressure straight on him, sort of looked to come straight back in the game. And it was nice to see us clinical. And like, it's a good finish. It's a good run. Um, I know, like, um, Gary Neal, not Gary Neal, what's his name? What's the start manager? Andrew Neal. Andrew Neal? Andrew. <laughs> Alex. You, Alex, Alex Neal. Andrew Neal's yeah. a fucking Tory. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, fucking out. Uh, anyway, Alex Neal. Alex Neal. I was watching the press conference with him, and he was sort of like, "Oh, we could have done this. We could have. We sh- we should have cut out before." And I can sort of understand that. But that's a really good striker's run that I think yeah. a striker only makes when he's in confidence. Like you, 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 you watch it back. He the way he watches the ball and anticipates it is really clever because he kind of he knows exactly where it's going. He knows yeah. exactly where it's going, and even even it takes the, the little dip off the Stoke player. I think it is. I think the Stoke player beats a Tete to it. Cabba's already in the space, and he's onto the ball before anyone else can react. And I think if you watch it back, he kind of checks his run ever so slightly, and then carries on on the same way. And it just it's perfect. It's like um, it reminded me a little bit of Chopper's goal against Swansea all those years ago, where he 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 moves before anyone else does, and that's yeah. that's that's pure instinct from a striker, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's some strikers have it, some don't. We've had a lot of strikers that don't have that instinct. <laughs> especially yeah. for the last few years. Um, so, yeah, it's just, yeah, again, just coming, it's, because in Watford was our first, I think it was our first points from coming from behind all season. To do that I twice in two games, I'd rather not go behind, but if we're going to start making a habit of picking that, picking up points from those positions, it's only a good thing sort of in the relegation battle we've got coming up in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I'm you know not the top twenty. I've tweeted a few times in recent weeks about Sorry Cabba. Um, his last nine games scored against Bristol, um, scored against West Brom, and assisting the goal against Swansea. Scored against Blackpool. Scored against Sheffield Wednesday. Scored against uh, Watford. Scored against Stoke. Um, Tom, you know it's it, it's very easy to say we've fallen in love with a lone player, all that kind of stuff. We've obviously all fallen in love with Sorry Cabba because he's been so crucial in this back end of the season, hasn't he? From Lamucci's less than glowing. 
kind of, oh, I don't even know who he is. I'll have to see what he's like when he gets in the building when he first signed him to now. He's just been a revelation, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Like, both on and off the pitch. I think, like, he's bought into the culture. He does the simple things like doing the Ayatollah when he scores. You know, I think he's the typical, like, Cardiff striker that we absolutely adore. And, you know, him scoring goals on top of it is an absolute bonus because we've seen in the past that you don't need to score goals for us to love you. Look at Eddie Johnson. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> like he's just an absolute legend. I think the problem is now I don't think we've got any chance of having him next season, not just because of embargoes and stuff. He, he's He's been in the limelight too much. There's going to be people better than us looking looking at him. But he'll go down as uh, one of those cult heroes because... I'd worry, you know, if we didn't have him this season, we could have been long gone already. Yeah. Um, he's been, we've been very, very good in the loan market for the last few seasons. Um, but I think he's probably the best of the bunch. He's been an absolute revelation since he's come in the club. Yeah. yeah Glenn, he's basically said that article, that he, didn't he? Today. And it's really, really good. It like just summing up that there's been, there have been a few stinkers, but you, we brought 17 players into the club this summer. Yeah. And then you sort of look at the history of loan players, especially that the club, that the recruitment team have bought in. They've actually got a really, really good record. I think Unconk is probably the worst, and he's still tearing it up in the French league too. It's not like he was a shocking player; it's just one of those ones that didn't work out. Um, I think I, I think Unconku in this in this system would work quite well because yeah. obviously we're playing Philogene as an auxiliary fullback, um, and Unconku was. An attacking fullback, basically, wasn't he? You know, whichever way you want to frame it, him and Philogene on the left and the right could be absolutely lethal. Because obviously, when we were playing the system earlier in the season, Romeo did really well because Romeo is a really good defender. But Nkunku didn't do really well because he's better in attack. In the system we play now, Nkunku would have fitted in really well. But I think to your point, Ben, about the loan market, you know, especially when you go back to last January as well, what we've done really well is plug the gaps with goals. Last season, we signed Uche, who got three or four goals. Hugh Gill, who got three or four goals. Tommy Doyle, who got a couple of goals. Last season, we struggled with scoring goals after the opening part of the season. This season, that's exactly what Cabba's done as well. It almost feels like a bit like um, a money ball approach, where it's like we need a player who's going to bring in a certain number of goals. Last season, we did it with two or three players. This year, we've done it with Cabba. Um, and, and from Lamucci's comments as well, to that point about whether he's going to stay in the UK, it sounds like Lamucci's either going to keep him at Cardiff if Lamucci stays or wherever wherever Cabba ends up will be in the UK because he's talking about trying to get him, you know, he's going to stay in the UK basically as a, as a given. Um, ben, on the lone players, it was Philogene again who won us that penalty, um, his magic feat. Um, obviously, we missed the penalty or what ifs and all that kind of stuff, but we didn't lose the game, so it doesn't really matter as much as it could have, but that could have been a massive goal, couldn't it? That could have basically effectively made us safe going into the last few games of the season. Yeah, but I, th- I think this, everyone sort of bangs on about our penalty success rate this season. To be fair to Cather, that's an unbelievable save for the keeper. That's a really, really good save. So, But yeah, you are right. That three points, especially with the results elsewhere, would have really sort of taken... I don't know if it's pressure off for the rest for this week coming up, but would have sort of just psychologically been a hell of a lift going into those games. But again, it's it's just one of those, isn't it? It's it's hard to be angry at him for that miss because one, it's a good save, and two, it's sorry, Cabba. I'm not getting but angry I, at him. I think it takes a sting out of it, doesn't it? If we score that penalty, all of a sudden Rotherham and Huddersfield matter slightly less. Yeah, it's it's it would be a massive. It would have been a massive, massive goal. It would have been a huge three points. Six points this week would have been. Unbelievable. Tom, are you going to say something then? I think like 
it's one of those penalties where the keeper's gone early and he's gone hard. He has, you know, he's he's dived to that bottom corner. So no matter almost how well you hit it, if you if you put a ground level, he's saving it. And you, yeah. you could probably go like, oh, you know, perhaps the striker could react, but not really. You know, you pick your side, you go that way, and it's just unlucky. Um, I think I don't think we can underestimate the effect that win could have had. I think that would have been us safe, and I think we. If the worst comes to worst and we do drop, we will look at that moment as an absolute turning point and, you know, where it went wrong. I think revisionism will hit and we'll look at that as the, the moment that it turned. But, you know, four points from those six, the six that are on offer is absolutely massive. And, you know, we'll get on to the permutations later. But, you know, I think the pressure would have been... I think it would have given us a lot more freedom going into that Rotherham game. And I think we... we arguably would have had a bit more of a free-flowing performance if we'd won that game. But let, let's see what happens. We might we might still turn up anyway. But yeah, it it could end up being a huge moment. But it's not that, Cabot's uh, fault. It's not Cabot's fault, no. That, that Stoke keeper, um, he made one appearance for Watford on the 4th of May 2013 when he came on as a substitute for their first-team keeper, made two massive mistakes and cost them the chance to get automatic promotion and was basically immediately released. I only found this out because I was drunk the other Friday watching end of championship 2012-13 highlights on was, the final day of the season, whatever. Um, was he the he lad made, that came on? He was young, wasn't he? And very young. He came on because, um, yeah, he wasn't even meant to be oh. in the squad, but Al Munia got injured in the warm-up. And then the second keeper got injured in the game. Yeah. No, he got sent off, didn't he? The keeper got sent off. Yeah, he went off. Yeah, in, I remember in, in that. And he... <laughs> Basically, it's quite funny. I'm reading the Wikipedia for it now. And uh, after the game, Gianfro Gianfranco Zola refused to blame him for his actions. But then he wasn't involved in the playoff campaign. And then he was released in June. Ah, maybe, maybe you do blame him after all, Gianfranco. <laughs> Fucking hell. So good for him that he's bounced back. Um, ben, I guess the positives from that game. We didn't lose. We're still masters of our own destiny. Less possession, more intent. Uh, but Tom, the negatives all stops out for the rest of the season. I think we wouldn't have seen that as a negative. A week and a half ago, but I think you know for continuity, I think it is a bit of a it is a bit of a blow, isn't it? I think you know the players will be used to playing with Allsop. You know, Alnwick hasn't exactly covered himself in glory when he's come into the team, apart from the penalty mm-hmm. save. Um, so it adds another layer of nervousness going into that Rotherham and the Huddersfield game now, having a keeper who's been, you know, he's he's a you know an experienced keeper, just not with us. So. You know, when you're looking at things to be nervous about, this just adds to the pile. Ben, does it make you nervous? No, I th- I still think it's a change that needed to happen. I think Allsop's made way too many mistakes this season. Like, I can't be sitting here like last week we're calling it for him to be dropped. It's a shame that he's injured. And like, you never like to see when your players get injured. But I still don't think it's a massively bad thing that he's out now and we've got a f- fresh face in there. I just think it'll just freshen the squad up a bit and give us a bit more belief again. But again, it could all come back to bites in the arse. Almwick's not played a lot of football. That's the only issue I've got with it is I'd have liked to have him played more football than he has. Yeah. Right then, let's take it over to Twitter. Um, obviously, we had a few questions and comments after the, uh, the, the 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 last couple of games. Tom, first one's from our friend Ryan Marsh. Full kit for Burnley. No, I, I told you. Okay, right. This is from the Watford game. The halftime, uh-huh, the uh-huh, idea, uh-huh. the the idea came into Ben James's head that if we were if we were already staying up by the Burnley game, we have to go dressed in full kit for the last away game of the season. 
uh, I, I didn't agree to it then, and I will not agree to it now. He likes signing us up for things that we've not actually agreed to, doesn't he, at the moment? I started yep. this thing, so you better come on the journey with me. Um, <laughs> and, and Ben, what I mean by full kit, and um, I did explain this on the night, is shin pads, cut socks and grip socks, a captain's armband if we can get one, GPS vest, under armour, Vicks on the old <laughs> chest, um, everything, everything we can get. And I'm, I'm, you know, last day of the season, traditionally, last away day of the season, traditionally fancy dress. The other option, Ben, is going dressed as Smurfs. And then we saying if we got relegated dressed as Smurfs, We'll be back holding a sign, single tear rolling down your face, taking off your face paint. That would be funny. I think full kit will be funny. I'm doing it anyway. You you just want the reason to wear it, don't you? You you've yeah, bought all this stuff already. You've definitely got it all. You just want because we know you have the GPS first. Jack Simpson kit. Yep. I got, I know it doesn't fit me. God. You look you, um, you look right. Well, you have to wear that as well. You have to wear the Jack Simpson shirt. No, fuck no. No. I wear the kit that fits me. I wear the kit that fits me. Um, ben, this was for you. Blue, Bluebirds pass 70% chance of rain in Rotherham at 8 pm on Thursday. Odds on a repeat if we take the lead again. Yeah, I think it's almost certain, isn't it? The way that pitch doesn't drain. Like someone spills a coke and that game's in danger of being called off. So that anyone that goes there, best of luck. But it sounds like it's a bit of a gamble now. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Reese, four points from Rotherham and Huddersfield should, should, with a fingers crossed emoji, get us over the line regardless of other results. The fans have a massive part to play. Sort of glad Rotherham have pulled away slightly, as I think the rearranged game would have uh, favoured them massively. Brandon Arthur, mad thought. Have we actually been in the relegation zone at any point this season? Tom, have we been in the relegation zone at any point? I think we have, but I don't think we've like ended a game week in the relegation yeah. zone. I think like yeah, I there's think been goals that have gone in in the live tables and stuff like that. But yeah, we haven't ended a week on it. Uh, John TM Williams, something that's been causing me concern for the whole season. Which city player would you give your last Rolo to and why? Current squad. Ben? Joe Rolls. I Joe love Rolls. him. I, he just seems like a nice bloke and he'd seem really appreciative of it. Yeah, that's true. I think he'd know what it meant as well. Uh, yeah. Tom? Uh, Gavin White. I think he needs a bit of a pick-me-up at the moment. Do you see his attempt of being cryptic on, Twitter, on Instagram? <laughs> he posts, you know, like people like, are like Big news coming soon or whatever. He just posted a picture of him and Mark Harris with a ticking clock. I like a picture of a clock as if to say just before the game. It's like, all right, here we go. Were they both on the bench on Wednesday? No, just Mark Harris was. Oh, so <laughs> good. Well done, Gavin White. You've even fucked that one up. Um, all right, I will give it to Ryan Olsop because now he's out for the season. He can have a little treat. Um that's the only way I'm thinking of it, really. Um, Simon Keane, it feels like we've nearly done enough, but are probably delaying the inevitable. Realistically, what does the club need to do to prevent this reoccurring next season? Fucking hell, Tom, uh, where do you start with that one? What does the club need to do to, to stop this reoccurring next season? Everything? <laughs> I think for a starting point, I, th- I think keeping Lamucci. I think I haven't been wowed by him, but just continuity in a managerial yeah. department could go such a long way. I, I, I bet Hudson and Morrison are sat there thinking he's doing no better than we did. What the fuck? But, you know, I think there has been a bit of change of attitude. He's clearly a man who's got ideas. I think he hasn't had, you know, a transfer market yet. He, has, he hasn't had a summer to build. So I think continuity in that department would be the number one thing I'd like to sort out going into next season. Ben, do you agree? Yeah, can't argue with that. Although the keeping Lamucci, someone there was uh, a tweet about um, Tony Mowbray possibly leaving Sunderland, yeah. which I don't believe is going to happen. But I was like, oh fuck, that would be decent. He seems like a good bloke, and like he's doing wonders at Sunderland. 
it's a miracle he hasn't really managed us before, really. Um, feels, feels like the kind like of guy that should be there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's done a round of all the championship clubs. Why hasn't he been to us? Uh, Stuart H, assuming we stay up and all the lone players go, who else would you want to get shot off? Personally, I'd happily wave bye-bye to Harris, Ojo and Simpson. Ben, do you agree? Harris, Ojo, Simpson, would you get rid of anyone else? I keep Mark Harris. Like I said, I still think he's a Ballon d'Or, future Ballon d'Or winner. Um, I'm not dropping that from earlier in the season. My Twitter profile, even when he goes, my Twitter bio staying the same. Still a Mark Harris fan. Um, I th- still think a new keeper's a must. I, I still think Ulsop's got to go in the summer. Wow. Tom? I don't think I would keep Mark Harris. It'd, I'd be sad to see him go. Uh, you know, it's not someone I hate and I went out with the club. I just, I think he's kind of run his course a bit now really with us. We've tried him so many times in different roles. I don't think he's really worked out. So I can't really argue with the players that were mentioned. I think, yeah, Ulsop, I think he's got to go as well. I think we probably need two keepers in the door. I, I I really don't think we've got enough in that department. There's only a few players I'd be sad to see go, really. I think, you know, Odawda, someone like that, if he went, I'd be distraught at this moment. I think his versatility has been absolutely key. I think Wintle, for example, Rinomota, I think there's more to come from them if we kept them. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I think the, most players, I think, there's a lot of them they'd leave. I think I'd shrug my shoulders and go, oh, that's a pity. And kind it's of just like said, it? It's like you said, like a lot of these players are going to be, oh yeah, I forgot they played for us, sort of yeah. players. Yeah, I, I mean, Ojo's completely disappeared off the face of the earth. Simpson has as well. Obviously, he played against Sheffield United, but before that, he'd been in and out of the squad. Um, well, we know where Ojo's Sam... been. Oh, yeah, wow, allegedly. Um, Sam Hill. We're not just we're not very good at penalties, are we? Robbo, Cabin, and Riles all take a penalty this season. We've only scored one. Love all three players, but none of them have been convincing from the spot. Who gets to go next? Perry NG. Not a bad shout. Four out of six points this is a good week. Three cup finals to come. Um, Chris Bradwick, any chance the club could release a bird of prey to get rid of the seagulls when the game is going on? Daniel Morgan, this is in response to us delaying the pod by day. Pathetic. There was a big 4-4 draw to talk about. Just jokes, looking forward to it. Um then that 4-4 draw is uh, the Legends game, I believe he's referring to. Um, what are your thoughts on the Legends team having to wear a red kit? I think it's a bit poor, isn't it? It's um, mm. not a good look. Mm. The Jacks... You were uh, far less measured off air. Yeah, but this is being recorded and can come yeah, back to bite on. me in the ass. <laughs> go on. It's a charity game. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hard to sleep. <laughs> it's a charity game. It's hard to slag them off. They've all turned up giving it for charity. But yeah, no, I'm not talking about it... slagging off the players. It's slagging off the club. Yes, you love slagging off that. the club. Okay, allegedly, and I'll cover there my own go. after this. Allegedly, the club didn't provide them a kit. Oh, he said it. Had... I said allegedly. That covers everything. Don't you know the law? <laughs> I do know um, the media law. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's a bit poor that they couldn't provide them with current kit or just one that they had lying around there's plenty there and it's just a bit of a shame they had to wear that horrible Cosway sports kit yeah, made out of fucking paper um, I, 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 it looked like a great occasion there were some great names on the team sheet a four all draw fantastic it looks like there's a big crowd there um, I think they're still fundraising if, if you head over to Andy Legg's Twitter um, I'd urge you to do that to give some money um, to the cause and for Jason Bowen uh, Connor Gill four points this week guarantee safety so that'll do me can't deal with going to Burnley with the pressure of other results mattering too I want to be able to take turn off notifications for the teams around us by then Jordan Reed says playing on a Thursday night feels dirty though we could just pretend we're playing Sparta Rotterdam in the Europa rather than Aqua Rotherham it's a great line 
So if we ever manage to rejoin the Welsh Cup and qualify for the Europa Conference, what's your dream away trip to Europe? Right. Tom, I think you'll be good at this one off the bat, so I'll come to you first while I can think uh, about it. I've always wanted to go to the Faroe Islands. So I think okay. like something like that. I'd, I'd love to go to one of these small nations that you'd only really go to if there was a football match there. So, yeah, I think Faroe Islands for me. Torsha run away. I want like a random, like somewhere you're not going to go. So like, I'm never going to go to Norway, but the fact that I could go watch football Cardiff play somewhere like Mulder in Norway would have been hilarious. I think I'm going to go for Romania. CFR Cluj, please, in Romania. Lovely city, cheap beer. Um, and I didn't get to go to a football match when I went there last time because they threatened to kill my mate who was on a stag. Uh, he was dressed as a cheerleader. It's a whole story. Um, so I won't go into it. Uh, Rodri, <laughs> who's right, your favorite? Over. S- someone requesting a bird of prey to rip ske- seagulls alive while a football game's being played, and your mate threatened to be killed. So he was. So he went to the ground first because he was a stag. It was like go to the ground first. We'll we'll finish our pints. We'll follow up with you. He got in a cab, went off. But he was dressed as a cheerleader, and yeah. as he was walking to the ground, there were kind of fans of the, you know of, I, I can't remember it was Cluj versus somebody. I can't remember who the other team were. They were making the the kind of cutthroat gesture to him, and the police basically came over and said, "We can't guarantee your safety. You can't come in. You need to go home." Um, See, if you so had gone with him, made out he was a stag, I don't think it'd been that bad. Basically, no, other, other like, people no, were with I, him. I other other people were with him. Other people were with him, and they they sent him back. The worst part about it was that so many people who were with him went into the game and just sent the stag home. <laughs> <laughs> That's poor form. Listen, I think it's good form. Uh, they're groundhoppers. Uh, Rodri, who's your player of the season? Odouda for me. Um, I think Odouda's a great shout. I think you've got to put Philogene up there. I think Cabba coming in in January has got to be there. Um, and, you know, Earlier in the season, you may have said Kipre, but he's kind of gone off the boil recently. Any other shouts for player of the season, lads? Up until his injury, uh, for me, it was Romeo. I thought he was just yeah. consistent and just solid the whole season. So, yeah, he's in there for me. Tom? Well, I th- at one point, I thought that the back end of the season was so bad, we would have said someone like Jamalou Collins for his like five-game stint at the beginning of the season. But I think Yao Dauda has really come into his own. I think, like I mentioned, on his versatility, he's slotted in a number of different positions and has never looked really out of place. So I don't think we can argue with Odauda. Uh Reese Williams, worried about fatigue affecting Thursday and Sunday, given out how out of our feet some of our key players were yesterday, especially the Huddersfield game, given they've got 10 days rest compared to our 60 hours. Um Fatigue, you know, I, I, I think they'll be chopping and changing. I think there'll be some players coming in. I think that's where people like, if you don't play Rinomotra on Thursday, you play him on Sunday to give us a bit of that kind of energy from him. Uh, Diff MJ, you said last pod it was the atmosphere at home, which is certain. But when a manager picks a 5 3 2 and sits off a team, that's poor away from home and on the beach. It doesn't inspire a tidy crowd of 20k either. Works both ways in approach to the game being passive. Um, absolutely. Um, I think that, that you know, the, the, the performance on the pitch does affect the crowd. And I think when you concede early, the crowd does get nervous. Um, Welsh Mafia, opinions on the curry veggie pie in the ground. I think it's elite tier and only decent bit of scram they do. Ben, have you had the curry veggie pie? No, I tend not to eat that stadium anymore. Since they've got rid of grazing shed, there's just nothing that appeals to me. And it's yeah. so overpriced. And sh- Have you seen the picture of the burger on footy scram from yesterday? Oh, Terrible. It's bleak. It's as bleak as like the club itself. It's a, if, In fact, is the perfect summary of our club. It's I just... at Watford away. I had a burger outside the ground. Then as soon as I got in, I had a curry pie. Um, so I had a burger first course, curry pie main course, uh, and it was delicious. 
Uh, I love a Baltic pie. Uh, Nakoma Bluebird, whichever league we are in next year, how should the club approach it? We all had the grand plan, which seemed to go with Morrison. Clearly points are on clearly points are all now, but how would people like to see us play going forwards? There's little talk of planning or club ethos now. Um I think this summer is gonna be interesting, Tom. Um we're not talking about club ethos and planning ahead now because the main goal is just staying up, isn't it? Last summer we had Morrison come in, it was the chance to change things for whatever reason it didn't work. That can't happen now until we stay up, does it? Because League One Championship kind of determines everything going forward. 100%. It's hard to plan going forward when you don't know where you're going to be. I think we drop, we have to get a new manager in because there's no way Ramushi's going to stay around. You know, you say he'll, he'll just wash his hands with us and just say, look, I tried my best. The club's a basket case, move on. So yeah. I think staying up is absolutely key to a bit of continuity, like I said earlier on. And I think that's the best we can hope for now is that we stay up. And then we build from there. We've got a couple, you know, we've still got some exciting youngsters that I feel have been underutilised. We might see more of them, you know, when they've had a whole summer to kind of prove their worth. Um, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's we still don't really know what's going on with the embargo side of it and things like that, but we clearly need some fresh faces in there, keep some core players. But, you know, I just want to see a bit of stability in this club because it's been an absolute roller coaster this season. You know, it, it feels like four seasons ago, some of the stuff that was going on at the beginning of the season. Like, it feels like everything, so much has changed in that time. I'd love it to be just a little bit calmer for a few months leading into the campaign so we can hit the ground running a bit. Yeah, it's it's been, like you say, this season, it feels like 10 seasons in one. You know, we've had three, four managers, if you include Whitehead. We had all these new signings in the summer. We've had lone players come and go. It's been an absolutely ridiculous season. I think once we know what league we're in, there is going to be some planning to do. If Lamucci stays, then you have to back him in the transfer market. If, I don't know, we, if Lamucci wants to leave, we, we have to move quickly to get a new manager in. Um, it's going to be an interesting summer. Twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian for all your tweets and all that good stuff. Right, onto the Wikipedia nugget. Um, I panicked on this one, lads. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's Sabri Lamucci. I'm giving you the clue beforehand. No, I'm not. It's uh, it's one that I think Tom might get. Um, oh, no pressure on you there, Tom. Ben, I'll be surprised if you get it. It's quite niche. Um, I wouldn't have known this if I didn't read it on his Wikipedia. It's under his <laughs> early life section. This player was raised in Goodwick, Pembrokeshire by his parents, Mike and Angelina. He is of Italian descent and his maternal grandpa grandparents had moved to Wales after World War II. Um, I didn't know this player was of Italian descent. Um, I think Tom's nodding. Ben, have you got any ideas of a player from Pembrokeshire of Italian descent? No, I've got. I'm trying to think who sort of West Walian players we've had in the past. Tom, do you have a clue? Uh, yeah, I think he's a man who might have applied this trade in my hometown at one point in his career. Ben, do you that's want to my, make a guess or clue. just give it to Tom? Give it to Tom. He seems to eat. I think he knows this already. Go on then, Tom. It's uh, Mark Delaney. It is Mark Delaney. Full name, Marcos Francisco Roberto Delaney. Um, <laughs> Bollocks. It's, it's Mark Anthony <laughs> Delaney. <laughs> Anthony, you know, it could be Marco Antonio Delaney. Uh, I had no yeah, idea not. he had Italian, um, Italian heritage. Um, which kind of makes sense. A lot of a lot of way West West Walians and a lot of Welsh people do. Sidoli. I completely forgot you was from that way. I thought you was like Bridge End. No, Fish no, guard, mate, boy, isn't he? Fish Yeah, he went to. Uh, he's Welsh speaking. I'm reading this all off Wikipedia. He went to <laughs> a school bro Guan um, down in 
Pembrokeshire fish guard way. So there we go. Completely lost count of this this season. People seem to like it, but we're just playing for fun now, boys. Um, <laughs> and that's what we're here for. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash VFT Indian. Get on Twitter for all our Twitter comments. And next we'll be talking about how big this week is. I went all commercial radio there, boys, didn't I? Uh, right. Two games to look ahead to this week. Uh, a Thursday night game, which uh, Sparta Rotterdam instead of Aqua Rotherham, which is a great line. I just had to say it again. Uh, and then Sunday at midday, I believe, we're playing uh, Huddersfield. Um, obviously, there are other games. There's a game every night in the championship this week. Um, but Ben, like, I've written it as defining week. How important are these games? You know, three games left of the season. These are the two games against the teams around us. They're the two games that can impact the relegation battle the most. Just how big is it? It's massive, isn't it? Um, I think, like, regardless of who we're playing on the final day, um, these are, yeah, these are the season-defining games. Yeah. Positive results and you're safe and Burnley, you're dressed as a Smurf in full kit and it's a lovely day. Um <laughs> a couple of losses and oh fuck shit is hitting the fan and it's going to be very very twitchy um tom we've seen it in the last few games that the kind of bottom has has in some regards you know qpr have gone a little bit further ahead from us but it's really tight down there now obviously wigan and blackpool have picked up a couple of wins they're all of a sudden only four four points off safety three points off safety if you're blackpool qpr might be on 47 points but they're only four points ahead of reading in the 22nd place it's you know, it's it's the tightest I think a relegation battle's been in years, isn't it? And and one result either way could really change things. Oh, 100%. I think like Saturday is the most I've shouted fuck off at my phone. It felt like everything was going against us at one point, and then like penalty miss and stuff as well. It's so tight down there. And I think like nobody's mathematically down yet. And I don't think we would have expected that with a couple of games to go a few weeks ago. I, I think we thought Wigan would have been dead and buried by now, Blackpool as well. So, the fact that that's tightened up has made it even more nervy. Um, I think a win against Rotherham would probably be enough to keep us up. Mm-hmm. I think this game Thursday is absolutely huge. Um, you know, I want to be stood outside Burnley Cricket Club on that last game of the season, enjoying myself. <laughs> having in, a chat with the, in my full kit, chatting to Burnley fans. They've won the league. We've stayed up. We're all having a bloody lovely time. You know, I, That's what I want from this. And it massively relies on that game coming up on Thursday. Um I think we all knew when that game got abandoned that it was going to end up in some sort of drama at the end mm-hmm. of the season. We knew that it was going to end up us getting caught up in a bit of drama with Rotherham going into the last few games of the season. But I didn't think it would be as big as this. Um, that like that QPR result to be mentioned, like that is absolutely that's come from nowhere. Burnley don't lose at home and QPR don't win at all. So you know that's really <laughs> thrown the spanner in, in the work. So. That this next week is going to be horrific. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I have a number of sleepless nights. What's yeah, mentally? And... You look at every game going around, and like out of from QPR downwards, all got a chance of staying up. And QPR aside, every t- every game has like both teams of stuff riding on it. QPR yeah. have probably got the favourable fixtures with Stoke and uh, Bristol City, but from Rotherham onwards, it's every team are playing either fellow relegation rivals. Or promotion chasers like Sheffield United yeah. still need a point to steal automatic promotion. Um, Huddersfield, I think Huddersfield, oh no, it's Reading, isn't it? Reading play Huddersfield and uh, Wigan. Wigan. Yeah, it's mental. Like, it's not just a case that it's not as simple as going, Oh, win this and you're safe, do this. It's because there's so many like 
because we're all playing each other, there's so many sort of variable options. It's fucking nuts. Well, I say I was looking at the the intervening fixtures. Obviously, we're playing Thursday night, which is quite rare. You've got um, and then Friday, you've got Blackpool versus Millwall. Millwall need a point to keep you know points to keep their player uh, hopes alive. Blackpool could you know still effectively stay up. Saturday, you've got QPR versus Stoke. You know Stoke don't really have anything to play for, but you know QPR would fancy themselves with that result. Um, Reading playing Wigan. That's two bottom of the table teams. We're playing Huddersfield on Sunday. And then as soon as you get into Monday, you've got Rotherham Middlesbrough. Again, both teams have something massive to ride on. It's just, I'm, you know, people go on about the championship being the most exciting league in the world, Tom. We've always seen it from the playoff positions or being on the verge of the playoffs over the last couple of years and, and petering away at the last minute. But seeing it from this side of things, it's, it's, it's more worrying. But if you were out of this, you'd think, fucking hell, it's exciting down at the bottom, wouldn't you? I would happily never have seen it from this point of view, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think, um, I, think oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think apart from the top two, th- th- this season's been mad. I think there's been a lot of bad teams in the championship this year. And, you know, even the Jacks have got a chance of going back into the playoff race because they've had 16 of the last 18 points. Yeah. It's closed up at the bottom and it's closed up around the playoff picture. And, you know, yeah, as a new- if you were a neutral looking at this, you'd be rubbing your hands. You would be watching every game this week. Then Sky must be absolutely laughing their way to the bank with this because well, there's going to be a game so every night people. for them this week. They put us on a Thursday for that reason. Yeah, exactly that. And like every fixture, like you said, has got something riding on it. It's it's an unbelievable end of the season. And you know, this is what I know a cliche. This is what football is about, though, isn't it? Like this is the excitement you want. You don't want dead rubbers going into the last few games. I do with Cardiff Burnley. Don't get me wrong. But outside of that, it, it's it's absolute madness and. It's brilliant. It's brilliant football. Like it's brilliant for football fans. It's horrible if you're a fan involved. It's the first yeah. time I can remember some team, like at least one team, not being relegated. Yeah, yeah. Stage. There's usually, and I think it looked like for a while that Wigan were for all the all the you know all the all the want in the world they were going to be the team because they had point deductions all that kind of stuff. But miraculously, they've clawed their way back into it. Yeah, Christ, think how close it would be if it wasn't for those point deductions. Mad, it would just it? be. It, be mental again. Well, if, if if Reading hadn't had their six point deduction, they'd be on forty nine points and effectively clear. It would yeah. be Huddersfield on forty four points, us on forty six points, and Rotherham on forty six points going into the next couple of games. Um, you know, all of a sudden, it, there's a there's a bigger gap between the twenty second place and twenty third place, but everyone above them is going to be even look more looking over their shoulders because one result changes everything. Um, ben, is this you know? It's a defining week for a number of reasons, isn't it? It defines what happens this season, but it also defines what happens going into next season. Um, you know, we, we lose these games, all of a sudden we're staring relegation back down the barrel again. How how worried are you that the club and, and the players are ready for this? Do you think the last couple of games have given you more hope? Yeah, definitely. I think, I feel like the players suddenly have a bit more character about them, which is something mm-hmm. they've massively lacked all season. But coming back from a goal behind in both these games and picking up four points, like it should give them a bit of belief and should show, look, we're better than this, boys. And have no matter what, like fight until the end and not just give up. And yeah. yeah, that was my worry sort of going into it before, sort of with everything on the line and what happened after the after that with that Rotherham game. It's at the sort of at that stage, it felt inevitable that it was going to be a scrappy 1-0 win to Rotherham. Now I'm not so confident. I feel like those players are going to go out there with a proper with a proper attitude, with a proper fight in it and sort of look to get something from it, which I was worried wasn't going to happen a few weeks ago. 
Um, Tom, let's talk about uh, the Rotherham game on Thursday. Um, obviously, we know what happened in the home game, uh, or in, in, in sorry, the, the previous game where called off after what 47 50 minutes, we're leading 1 0. Um, that should be enough fuel, shouldn't it, to fire them up for this game? Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm not quite as confident as I was at the time where I think I said they'd be so spurred on by this, I wouldn't be surprised if we win 4 0. I kind of want to retract that earlier comment. I think it's going to be a cagey, nervy affair. But if you can't get fired up for this one, you won't get fired up. You know, you're on the same amount of points as them. They've got a better goal difference than us as well, which is like an extra point at this stage of the season. So, you know, we've got to go there and try and... To be honest, a draw might be enough, but I, I want to go there and try and win that game. You know, I, if I was in that dressing room, I'd be absolutely bouncing for this to try and prove a point. And... I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the Rotherham fans think on this because, like, I wonder if they're spurred on by it. I wonder if there might be a little bit of nerves around it. As if, look, yeah, we got away with one early on. You know, the pressure's on them to win that game now. They did their utmost to get that game called off so they could replay it again. So they've got to try and prove a point of they've done the, they've done the right thing. So, you know, I, I think I still back us going into this game, but it is absolutely huge. But it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it, Ben? Because it's their second chance, but being on the same point as us means that if the second chance doesn't go their way, all of a sudden they're plunged further. It, it, it literally is winner takes it all. If we win, we're pretty much up. If they if they if they win, they're pretty much up. Like the pressure on it couldn't be more massive, could it? Yeah, I I don't know if necessarily that like, it's all on them. I think it's on both sides, and it's sort of I think that first fifteen minutes would be massive if they get an early goal. Yeah, you sort of feel then the fans will be sort of way wanker sort of thing, you know, backs, they're sort of really up for it then, sort of giving it the big and the atmosphere will be quite good. Whereas Mm -hmm. if we can sort of frustrate them and keep it tight and do what we did the first time, if it goes the same as the way as the first time, I think we'll be fine. Um, It's just down to us to make that happen, I think, more than anything and really make that place nervy because, and then they're going to be right under the pressure for it. And then um, looking ahead to Sunday, Ben, obviously Huddersfield, we don't need to go into the details of Huddersfield. They've got Neil Warnock. He's the manager. So they've got Jonathan Hogg. He's a massive fucking weapon. Um, but all of a sudden, they are, you know, it, they, they had a couple of wins. They looked like they were pulling away. Now, all of a sudden, they're below us, really looking over their shoulder because Reading can catch them with one draw, one result, whatever it may be. You know, we beat Rotherham. Pressure's slightly off, whatever we want to say. If we don't beat Rotherham, we go to the Huddersfield game needing a result. That could get fucking tasty, couldn't it? There's too much narrative in there. Yeah, it's just set up in the wrong way for all the horrible things about football that you oh, don't want the right to keep going way. into it. No, it's it's not, is it? It's it's all the wrong stuff you don't want going up against it. There's a former, there's a couple of former players in there that you don't want to see do well that can sort of come back to haunt you. It's the ex, it's the loved ex manager as well. You know, sort of his it's his first appearance at the Cardiff City Stadium since he left us. I think he did. He manage Middlesbrough when there was no crowd. Yeah, so like with a crowd, it's sort of that. It's but all... no, he didn't. It, they Middlesbrough beat us, didn't they? That he he got McCarthy sacked, didn't he? Because he beat us three one when he was at Middlesbrough. Possibly, I can't. remember. That Argentinian that. scored a penalty to make it three one. I can't remember. It's been that long, but like just the narrative's just not. It's just there to be horrible, which sort of. Makes me think the Rotherham's more of a now saying this makes me think the Rotherham's more of a must win than I sort of initially yeah. imagined. My sort of hope was f- four points from these two games, and you can see you're safe, comfortable. 
Um, I don't care what order it is, but yeah, the narrative of needing a win going against Huddersfield. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, um, Tom, do you still like Neil Warnock or do you want to see him suffer? I'd like to see him suffer for one day only. Yeah, to be fair, I still like the man. But I I think like Ben said, if winning that Rotherham game is key. And then you take a boring nil-nil draw against a Warnock team and I'm sure he'd probably take it as well at that point. You know, we... Looking at it, like mentioned goal difference earlier on, that's the thing we've got in our back pocket against those teams below us. You know, Huddersfield are five goals worse off than us. Reading are six goals worse off than us, which is massive. So, you know, win that game against Rotherham and we've gone a long, long way into staying in this league. And then the pressure isn't off in that Huddersfield game, but there's less pressure than there could be. Because I just don't want to be in Burnley needing something in the last game of the season. Because you don't know, like... Even if they have won the league, they're not going to be on the beach. They're going to be there looking for a party, aren't they? So yeah, they, you know, they that, want that to win it in Blackpool, don't they? In Blackburn, don't they? I feel that's yeah. what every fan's saying now. Like they're not too bothered about the loss of QPR, yeah, because it sets up that they can win the league title at Ewood Park. And yeah, what are? Can you imagine winning like the championship at the Swansea.com stadium? Mm-hmm. No. I no, I didn't even imagine imagination. That. It sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound fun. Um, Middlesbrough beat us 2 0, and McCarthy was sacked after the game, and that was Warnock at the CCS, and that was 2021. Um, I knew I didn't imagine it. I just had to check that. Um, right. Predictions then, Ben. Are we getting one point, no points, four points, six points from these games, or two points? Uh, I'll sit on the fence and say we'll pick up two points. Tom? Four. I'm going to go with four as well. Uh, and that would mean that we stay up. So, really, is a big week here at the View from Indian. Um, you know, we're involved with the club, you know, best pals and all that. Um, so, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thanks to Terrace Badger for sponsoring us once again. 20% off with code VFTN20. Um, go to twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian. VFT Ninian for all the Twitter nonsense. Kofi.com forward slash VFT Ninian if you want to give us some money. Um, thank you to all those that have contributed so far. Ben, how are you going to take your mind off the football this week? Uh, going to the gym tonight, a bit of exercise, and then just sit and wallow in stress for the rest of the week, I think. All right. Doesn't sound like you're going to take your mind off it at all. Tom? No. There's no way I'm taking my mind off it. I'm going to stay at the championship table until right. something moves. So, yeah, that's my plan. I'm gonna uh, turn off all flash score notifications because um, I always they always freak me out. So I should turn those off before any games this week. Right, thanks again for listening to us. Please sponsor us. Yeah, I'll keep Fop Mobs on. Fop Mobs are the best out there. Yeah, Fop Mob, please sponsor us. Uh, Even though they, they only made... liked the tweet and did get in touch. I saw you. I saw that. Did like. they like the tweet? Wow. They liked the tweet yeah. and then fucking DM us the bastards. Actually, you know what? Flash score. <laughs> No, Fop Mob it is. I doubt they're going to get this far in the podcast anyway. Um, and Aaron Hawking might not either. Um, there's a shout out once again. Uh, Plymouth are going up, up the fucking Green Army. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back after this week. Sports Social Podcast Network.